Everyone in life needs faithful friends, fighters and fellow workers. Uh, that has always been God's plan, His intention for all of us and especially for leaders, but it's true for everyone in the body of Christ and for all people, that we all need faithful friends, fighters and fellow workers. Uh, it's been his intention from the beginning. You'll remember what he said in the Garden of Eden when he had, when, when he, in, uh, in the creation, when he had created Adam. He said, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. And that's God's desire for all of us, even the unmarried. And that's why he says in Psalm 68 verse 6, God sets the lonely in families. God never wanted us to live in isolation and God has always wanted us to have faithful friends around us, people who will fight for us, stand with us and work with us. And in this context of what we're doing and that I'm basically always trying to teach into a leadership context into the life of the church, uh, I want us to understand that when God begins to assemble an army, and that's what the church should also be, not only a bride and all these other um, statements that God makes about what the church looks like, but it's also to be an army. And when God begins to assemble an army, a church together, he moves people to the assembly point. And so I just want to read to you a scripture that God gave me in those early days before we started in Bryanston in South Africa. But it's found in 1 Samuel chapter 22, verses 1 and 2. And it says this, David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. When his brothers and his father's house, household heard about it, they went down to him. Now, I want you to take note of these people that came down to him because very often we're looking for perfect people uh, when we want those faithful friends and fighters and fellow workers. But very often they start off with being quite a motley crew. And God changes them and makes them into a, a powerful, powerful, potent fighting machine and friends that you can rely upon and that will work strongly with you, not just half-heartedly, but give it all they have for God. It says in verse 2 of 1 Samuel 22, All those who were one in distress or in debt, discontented, gathered around him. And he became their leader. About 400 men were with him. Notice the kind of people again. People in distress. Sometimes in the church of the context and us in leadership in the church, sometimes God brings people that are distressed about the church, the church that they were in. Sometimes he brings people that are in debt in trouble, maybe even financially or in debt guilt-wise, they're empty of their resources of all kinds. <clears throat> and then it also goes on and says, and the discontented, those may be discontented with life, with marriage, with work, with church, with their friendships, any and everything, discontented. And then in 1 Chronicles 12, verses 19 and 20, you can read this for yourself, uh, it's, it says also that he brought to them to David, people that were defectors, that had been with others before, defected and came uh, to be with him. 
And God did that for me and Brian Stern, and he did that for us in New Covenant Ministries right in those early early days. And so I want us just to read together from uh, 1 Chronicle, 1 Corinthians, and I'm going to uh, try to help you what to see what kind of people we need um, around us, because I don't want to leave us there with those in debt and distressed and uh, in, uh, discontented and defectors. But I do want to just read this, if you don't mind turning in your Bibles to 1, uh, 1 Corinthians in chapter 2, and uh, just to see something that God needs to remind us every now and then of about ourselves and about others that he wants to bring uh, to work with us. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 26, my apologies. It says this, brothers, think of what you were when you were called. And I stop and think about myself. Could hardly speak English properly anymore. Uh, <clears throat> had been so heavily involved in drink and, and a lifestyle that was absolutely so ungodly. But he says, think of, the, of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chooses the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God chooses the weak things of the world to shame the strong. And he chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. Why? So that no one may boast before him. <clears throat> so God brings very often into our lives in our most desperate times of need when he's wanting to surround us with people who can help us to fulfill the will of God that every one of us needs these people and I'm going to try to share with you something uh, that you find here if you'll turn in your Bibles to 1 Chronicles chapter 12 God brings them in in a certain state but it's with an intention to make them something to make them a mighty fighting force, an army, a people around you that are going to be with you, fighting for you, with you, protection, advancing, victory. While we can do it on our own, if that was absolutely necessary, that's not the way God wants it to be for us. And yet so many leaders and so many Christians pull back, try to hide themselves away from others, while God is trying to bring people to you, to move you from where you are now, into the future that is bright and victorious, fruitful, productive, uh, effective in every uh, avenue of your life. And so let's have a read together uh, just a little bit of 1, uh, 1, uh, 1 Chronicles uh, chapter 12. 1 Chronicles chapter 12. And you'll see the kind of people that these people became the people that came to him, to David, and the people that God wants to bring to you. So in 1 Corinthians, I mean, I'd love to read the whole of that chapter, because it says, these were the men who came to, verse, chapter 12, verse 1, these are the men who came to David at Ziglag while he was banished from the presence of, of Saul, son of Kish. They were among them but warriors who helped him in battle. They were armed with bows and were able to shoot arrows and to sling stones right-handed or left-handed. And so it goes on. And then it says this, if we'll pick up in verse 23, because I'm going to show you today again, or remind some of you who may have known this, 
and show some of us who may never have really thought this thing through. I want to show you the kind of people, just by the names of the tribes that God brought uh, out of uh, to, to David, uh, men and uh, people that came to stand with him and fight with him. This is what it says. These are the number of the men armed for battle. This is in verse 23 of uh, 1 Chronicles 12. These are the numbers of the men armed for battle who came to David at Hebron to turn Saul's kingdom over to him, as the Lord had said. It starts off with, says, men of Judah. And that is men of praise. Praises. Carrying shield and spear. Men of Simeon. Those are people who can hear. People that are perceptive. Warriors ready for battle. Men of Levi. Levi means joined. And then it goes and it says, it talks about a brave warrior there. And so those are those who are going to be partners with us. Levi, priests, partners. Levi was the, 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 the uh, priestly tribe and Levi means joined. And that is people who are going to be partners with us. Men of Benjamin. And men, Benjamin means son of our right hand. And you remember that when... Uh, Benjamin was first born, his mother called him Benoni, my son of my sorrow, but his father changed his name immediately and said, no, son of my right hand. And the right hand is the place of authority, and that is going to be power. And then it goes on, men of power. And then it goes on and says, men of Ephraim. And Ephraim means fruitful. And uh, so that he's going to bring productive people to us. And then men of, of the half-tribe of Manasseh. And Manasseh means causing faithfulness, or God's caused me to forget. So causing forgetfulness, or God has caused me to forget. And you'll see that in Genesis chapter 41, verse 51. And uh, so those are people who are pioneers, people who forget. Forgetting what is behind, we pioneer, we press forward. And then it goes on and says men of Issachar. And Issachar means bearing high or available. And... Uh, they're going to be people that are provisionary, that provide uh, providers. And then it goes in verse 33 to men of Zebulun, and Zebulun means dwelling. And that means people with the presence of God, people that are dwell in the presence, they know the presence of God, but also that will stick with you. Abide in the vine, yes, but with you too. And he talks about those from Issachar, who, those who understood the times, and knew that, that what Israel should do. And he says of Zebulun, experienced soldiers prepared for battle with every type of weapon to help David with undivided loyalty. Goes on and says in verse 34, men of Naphtali. And Naphtali means wrestling. And uh, when we look at uh, wrestling, we're thinking of prayers. Like, like Jacob wrestled with God. People that can pray, hold on and say, I will not let you go except you bless me. And these, these guys carry, carry shields and spears. And then men of Dan. And Dan means justice or judge or being one who vindicates, uh, ready for battle. And so judge, justice, one who vindicates, they are people that are protective by their insights, by their judgments, and by... The fact that they allow God to vindicate and we don't have to vindicate ourselves. Moving on, it says, and then in verse 36, men of Asher. 
and Asher means happy. In other words, people that are pleased. We need happy people around us, pleased people, pleased with God, with his people, etc. But I want to come back to all of this a little later. And then if you just, uh, we, we, we won't read this, but elsewhere you'll see there also, uh, um, well, let me come back to that in a few minutes' time rather than dive into that right now. So let me just repeat that. The kind of people Jacob's sons represent, those, those Jacob's sons, their names that were given to them, and these that all came to, to David down at Ziglag in that cave when he was on the run, those that were in debt and distress, uh, etc., um, their names, let's have a quick look again. There's, I'm going to go in a different order to what I told you there, but there's Reuben, which means behold a son or being fruitful, being productive. Then there's Simeon, hearing. That's what Simeon means, hearing. People that are perceptive. Levi, people that are joined. Uh, that are from the priestly tribe and become partners, joined with us. And they joined with David, they'll join with us. And then Judah, which means praise. We need praises. God wants to bring up praises around us. Issachar, bearing high or available, those that will provide with, for us and with us into all that God wants to do with us and through us. Zebulun, which means dwelling. Those who know the presence of God and will stick with us, abiding in the vine together. And then Joseph, uh, he will add, which uh, is productive. And his two sons, which I was going to touch on earlier on, his two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. Ephraim also means fruitful, which is productive. And Manasseh means causing forgetfulness, and, uh, which is pioneering. Remember Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 to 16, forgetting the things that's behind me, I press forward. We'll come back to that in a little while. Remember also Psalm 84, verses 4 through to 7. Blessed are those that have set their heart on pilgrimage, pioneering, not staying there, going through the valley of Baca, turning it all these into pools, etc. And then there was Benjamin, the son of the right hand, power, powerful, authority. And then there was Dan, the judge, justice, or he has vindicated. And then there was Naphtali, and he was means wrestling he was not only a, he was a prayer and gad a seer or a troop is coming i don't know that i covered that i read that part but it's in 1 chronicles 21 verse 9 uh, you'll see that that gad was another one of the sons a troop is coming or a seer in other words a prophet uh, the prophetic and god wants to also bring to us uh, People uh, that are pleased with God, son, Asher, happy. So those, that's God's intention for us today. It was his intention with David. That motley crew became this mighty, powerful army that counted for God, pressed on, pushed through victories for God. And we're going to have a look at some of those things just quickly in this, uh, the next two sessions or next session. I hope I can finish it in one session. But let me just start with this of praise, just looking at the clock. I've got a little bit of time. I want to try and keep these messages around about 20 minutes or around about there. But uh, this crew, this motley crew, became a mighty effective fighting machine in the hands of God. And that's God's intention for you 
And that's the God's intention for me and every one of you in leadership in a church. God is trying to assemble an army in your where you are, around you and your team together. And uh, we're going to have to keep our hearts open to the kinds of people he brings to us. So let's have a look at what we can learn from the life of David and these shorter counsels in the scriptures here. These different names. Judah praises. Because Judah means praise. Well, don't we all need positive people around us? Not the negative people, not the complainers all the time, but positive people. Now, it's interesting, and you read in Genesis 29, verse 35, that's the first mention of men praising God, and that is with the birth of Judah, the birth of praise. We need a rediscovery of true biblical praise, and we need to become true biblical praises. Yes, while we need to pray to make our, have our, make our, our needs known to God, uh, we need also to praise because praise releases the power of God on our behalf. When I talk about praise, I'm not talking about just singing songs. I'm talking about, well, let, me, let me tell you what I wrote down here. What I mean by praise is to speak always in a, in a way that puts God in a good light, that honors who he is, what he does or he allows into our lives, that never makes it seem to, uh, to be hard done by. So many of us make ourselves seem to be, we, we want people to think we're hard done by. We never make it seem that we're being hard done by. We never make ourselves to be a victim, out to be a victim, or suggest that God is unfair, unfaithful, or a hard taskmaster. It is more than just singing songs in a meeting. It really is a lifestyle. Now, that's what I wrote down there. I hope you'll stop right now and pause this thing and, and write that down for yourself and ask yourself the question, am I like that? Because if I'm not going to be like that, people that come around me are going to struggle with helping me to become like that. It's better if I am like that when they come, that I'm letting God start to turn my life around if I'm not like that. So let's have a quick look at some of the benefits of praise and the reasons for praise. Well, first of all, praises inherit God's blessing. Caleb was one of the two spies that went out into the promised land, spying, came back with a good positive report. The others came back uh, with a negative report. And it's interesting that Caleb came from the tribe of Judah. Uh, and also, um, he was the one that the only one who was a strong 40 years after he went, they went, he went into that uh, promised, uh, spying in the promised land. He was strong 40 years later as he was when he went in. 40 years later, he stayed strong spiritually, emotionally, etc. As you see in Joshua chapter 14, verse 11. Moving on quickly, Judah was one of the, the tribes that stood on the Mount of Blessing to Mount, Ger uh, Mount Gerizim to receive blessing. They didn't stand on the other mountain, Mount Evil, uh, to receive curses. And you'll read about that in Deuteronomy chapter 27, verses 11 through to 13. Incidentally, Judas Iscariot, the New Testament equivalent of Judah, didn't live up to his name. 
and he was cursed. He's always fault-finding, always grumbling. Like even when Mary anointed Jesus' feet with oil, he complained. And I want to just read the words of this song that Ern Baxter wrote years and years ago that we used to sing. And I want you just to listen to these words. I'm going to have to close off here and come back and pick up in another session. But Ern Baxter wrote this. When you pray but cannot get your answers through, when you get discouraged, know not what to do, cease to beg and plead, but hallelujah rain, raise, your petitions shall ascend on wings of praise. And then there's a little chorus. It says, rise and soar into the sunlight rays, using both your wings of prayer and praise. Mount like eagles higher in the sky, and you'll find that things look just look so different when you fly. And then you go second verse. He says, many baffled birds in vain will wave one wing, drooping prayers they pray, but rarely shout and sing. Round and round these earthbound birds go in a maze, for they feel, fail to stretch the other wing in praise. And then rise and soar into the sunlight rays. Third verse says, Some neglect to pray and only shout around, like the beaten brass or cymbal, so they sound. They too tread a circle and will never share the much larger life on wings of prayer, of praise and prayer. And then let me just read the, the chorus again to you. Rise and soar into the sunlight rays, using both your wings of prayer and praise. Mount like eagles higher in the sky, and you'll find things look so different when you fly. Now, that song came about as a result of Ern Baxter walking out into Abby's house one day, seeing a little bee on the floor and he heard this bzzz, bzzz, and he saw this little bee flapping its one wing and just going round and round in circles and realized that other wing had come off and that's what so many of us are like some of us we only pray and some of us only praise but we got to use both our wings prayer and praise and then we'll rise and soar into the sunlight rays and using both our wings of prayer and praise we'll mount like eagles higher in the sky and we'll find that things look so different when we fly. God help us and God bring to us and make us also one of those towards those he brings to us true praises. We'll read on a little more about praise in the next session. God bless you. 